name is Gary Bontrager. I want to welcome you to another episode of Mindset Growth Podcast. I am super excited today for our next guest. I have Heather, my co-host here with me as well. And uh, Heather, this is somebody that we've gotten to know a few years ago. I think uh, probably put some fear in your life at one time. Uh, He did it with such cool comfort, though. (laughs) I know. I know. It was interesting uh, how that went. it was just an, an amazing experience, one that I have learned tremendous amount about as you and I both went through that experience. Uh, he works with a company and is really their legal counsel and facilitates a lot of the acquisitions and mergers that they do. We were able to go through that experience with them. Uh, out of that whole experience, I can still say to this day, our guest is uh, the favorite person in that, and I hope those others don't listen to that or are offended. But I think the things that I looked for were the detail um, in, in how he negotiated, how he made people feel, and how respectful he was, and how he conducted himself, but also treated others. So with that, I want to welcome Randy Rings to Mindset Growth Podcast. Welcome. Hey, Randy. Hello. Glad to be here. So I don't know if they panned the camera on you before, but... Uh, it truly was an honor to work with you, and uh, your name still comes up as uh, somebody when we're working through certain situations. Sometimes we always enjoyed that experience, even though it was, as you can recall, you've probably seen some of the best of myself and Heather and some of the worst, but I imagine by now you're accustomed to that. So Yeah, they usually shake out that way. It's okay. <laughs> it can be emotional and stressful, so it we is. work through it together. Definitely. It is. So as we get started, we want a little bit, uh, have the audience learn a little bit about yourself so they understand your background. Just tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how that looked. Yeah, I grew up on a farm in Western Illinois. So a couple hours, pretty much straight south of Iowa City, just across the river. Uh, We grew grain, corn, beans, had a cow-calf operation when I was young. When I went to college, uh, my dad sold the cows and calves and plowed up what was left of the pasture. Um, And then I went off to the University of Iowa, was there as an undergraduate, stayed and went to law school. I'd still be there if it wasn't for the fact I got married. My wife thought I should get a job. So (laughs) (laughs) I moved on. Uh, I've worked for a large law firm, small law firm, privately held company, publicly held company, nonprofit trade association. So I got to do a lot of things. I've been pretty lucky had a lot of experience that we weren't, we didn't really know about. Then. No, but leading up to this, I did a little bit of research and uh, I recall just, I believe down the street, a few blocks from here, you worked at a law firm a short time that uh, with the, where my attorney was at at the time. Yeah. And I, because I, we were just visiting about something recently. And then he mentioned that you were transferring from maybe one firm to another and then kind of passed through their organization and evidently had worked on a few documents or something for yep. me years was, ago. <laughs> it, yeah. And I, I didn't even know, you know, no. Mike sure. was there, Mike Pugh with Bradley and Riley. Right. Um, I had been the general counsel for McLeod USA, good or bad. Yeah, uh, We grew that dramatically and then ended up going through a bankruptcy. And so when we got done, I went to work of counsel Bradley and Riley right. and worked on lots of documents. <laughs> I didn't necessarily know who the client was. Right. So. I had never met you there, but I seen your name come through and uh, I didn't connect it all till we had that conversation recently. But Yeah. A lot of fun. Mike was yes. good to work with. We've worked a lot with him as well. But, um, so one thing that we really like to ask our, our guests that come on is if you have a morning routine. Well, I try to. It uh, gets pretty difficult some days, but for the most part, I get up uh, and stretch first, uh, stretch more and more all the time, it seems like, because more and more aches and pains require yeah. <laughs> a lot more stretching. Uh, but I try to do 15 or 20 minutes of stretching, and then I either walk, swim, or ride an elliptical for 20 to 30 minutes. Um, then, then start in on my morning coffee and get ready and right. head to the office. So I, I like doing things when I can kind of clear off my junk out of my email. <laughs> so while right. I'm doing, I can't when I'm swimming, but otherwise, no. yeah. uh, walking or elliptical is nice for that. So, so activity in the morning is important for you to get your day started. Yeah. I get sucked into the day. So if I don't do it in the beginning, it's super yeah. hard for me to find time to commit to it later. Yeah. I just have learned over the years, uh, uh, I just have to get up and get going. 
makes sense. We just find people that typically are successful have morning routines and there's just kind of a system and a process and then that carries them through their day. Uh, usually when that doesn't happen, it's when they have smaller kids. It's mm -hmm. a little bit more dictated by that. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. My, my wife, every once in a while, if we're going somewhere on a trip or something's different in my routine and I'll forget my wallet or my keys right. or, or uh -huh. my glasses. And she's like, how can you forget that? And I'm like, well, I do my day the same way every yeah. day. And today we had to do it different. <laughs> well, I will share this. Um, I, I can identify with a couple of things you said there. The older I get, the more I have to stretch. And if I don't, I pay. But uh, back to even the routines and the processes of things, that was one of the things that were inspiring with me was when I had the opportunity to work with you through that uh, transaction and transition was watching how you conduct your day and how you do all of the things that you do. And we're going to get into that because Heather keeps has consistently since that day or that, e that event um, ask, how does Randy do all of that? But it was very interesting to me to see how you organize and structure all the things that you handle, because, uh, we'll get into that a little bit later down the road, but it, there is a system and a process that, that, that works in. And yeah, you need to, you need to have some processes. I try not to be a dictator <laughs> to, okay. when it comes to processes, but you have to have a roadmap, right. uh, because without, Without some points along the way, you end up being lost. So. Right. And you also have to have a high uh, uh, place value and allow people to carry out tasks and trust people. And you do an excellent job with all of that. But we're going to move on to a couple of fun ones and then we're going to uh, fun questions. We have what we call rapid fire questions. I don't think you have those. Uh, we're just going to ask you a few. It's to get you loosened up and relaxed. <laughs> okay. That way you don't feel like you have to stretch when you're finished here. Yeah. Uh, finish this sentence. When I dance, I look like. Blue the bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Some people don't even know what that is. <laughs> Probably Jungle not. Book. <laughs> Jungle book. Good you old bad. Jungle book. Runyard Kipling. That's what I think I look like. <laughs> There could be worse animals to <laughs> look like when you're dancing. Uh, I guess. <laughs> All right. But you enjoy yourself and then you stretch, right? That's right. <laughs> if you could give yourself one piece of advice, your younger self, what would it be? Uh, build family time better into your calendar. There you go. That is excellent yeah. advice. I think as a young man or young men in general, we're so driven to accomplish and we take for granted the things that are probably most important or don't even understand the importance. So that is, I really appreciate that one. Yeah. And I, I just, I look back now and think about how many times I told myself, I'll just do one more of this or one more of that. Or if I can do one more, I can get a promotion or a pay raise or a right. bonus. So let's just do one more instead of going home for supper, instead of going right. home for lunch, you get up. So, um, and you don't ever get a chance to get that back. Right. right. They say all the time how, how quickly it goes, and it really does. But yeah. get busy building for the family instead of building. Well, we talk sometimes with clients, and this is just an example of this. You know, you work with a lot of companies, and, you know, we can replace inventory all the time. But as I get older, the inventory I probably pay closer attention to is my time. Because it's not replenishable, so that's that's how I view it. It kind of helps me put it in perspective how to manage that time. Yeah, I actually have a plaque in my office. It's an old Abraham Lincoln quote. I'm a big Abraham Lincoln fan, okay. but uh, especially for lawyers, lawyers' uh, time and advice are his stock and trade. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I try to always kind of keep that in mind. Right. Well, you come from Linda Lincoln there, so that's <laughs> that, that's <laughs> for sure one. What's one childhood thing that you still enjoy? Uh, maybe a couple. I still like sledding and fireworks. <laughs> oh, <Okay>. absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> so, Nothing wrong with that. We, we, uh, we, we didn't always get to do many fireworks. You know, it was illegal in Illinois, but okay. once in a while we had neighbors, and so people would, and it was very... Wild. It was out there. Yeah. <laughs> so I still get to enjoy that and, yeah. and sledding. You have grandchildren? 
I have no grandchildren. No. Okay. okay. Well, if fun that happens, ahead. yeah. If that happens, they're going to have fun, Grandpa. Right? <laughs> yeah, so, I hope so. Coming off the fourth, did you put on your own? fire show <laughs> not this year i always shoot some off myself yeah. at, at home it was so dry i was a little yeah. nervous uh but generally almost every year fourth of july sometimes birthdays and mm -hmm. new year's we'll, right we'll fire off a couple i awesome. like shooting them off in new year's because it's usually so cold yeah and we, and we have snow so you don't have to worry about the, right. Any the weather so much exactly anything. We're going to move on into some of the things that we probably, maybe folks are most interested in and probably something I'm really interested in. Um, and that is talk about a lot of the different uh, endeavors that you're currently involved in. We're going to get into that. So this is kind of going to just be open dialogue. Uh, but I know you went into law school and uh, there's, you know, coming off of a farm, uh, I think you had mentioned you were the first in your family to get a college education. Um, I'd like to know a little bit, uh, if you could tell us what took you down that path to go a complete different direction from what your family, you know, history was. Yeah, I think a, a couple things. Um, my mom grew up in, in a house with no bathroom indoors okay. when she was young. Mm -hmm. Um, so she remembers even getting to have indoor plumbing, walking outside to go to the bathroom. So, uh, you know, my dad's grandmother was born premature, um, incubated in the oven oh. at home. Um, so they uh, had a, a midwife uh, who kept her in there and watched her for the first couple of days. So um, they both just wanted something better. So. Right. I don't remember, you know, sort of from my very first memory, going to college was just the next step. It wasn't like a decision really for me. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. we just had always talked about in my entire life that you graduate from high school, um, which in my my dad's time and his grade, he, he told me he had three brothers at one point when he was a sophomore one of them turned 20 and quit when he was a sophomore. One of them turned 40, 20 and quit when he was junior. Wow. <laughs> and the from next high one, school. From high school. Just yeah. didn't finish high school. Right. So it was just you finish high school, you go to college, you finish college. So that was a high priority for your parents to it have was. you take that next step. And from that, you went into law school. But that was that the plan when you started college or that developed? Um, no, it developed. I didn't really have a plan. So when okay. I got to college, that was a bit of a problem in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wandered a little bit. Uh, I thought, you know, I did, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, started in computer science um, and it got really hard pretty fast. And I wasn't sure I had the interest or the commitment to do it. So uh, I found a different path, and I had always been very interested in politics and government, so I always thought I wanted to do something connected to that, and law school was a logical way. So it is always in my mind to go to law school, but I wasn't really sure until I got to be a senior, frankly. And right. I, I thought, well, I'll see what the options are. So I went through job interviews on campus at the University of Iowa, um, and at the end of the day, I had three choices. I had an offer to be a head of a, of a claims unit at Allstate in Chicago. Uh, I could go home and take over my dad's Massey Ferguson farm implement dealership. Uh, in 1984. Yeah, that uh -huh. was not attractive. <laughs> <laughs> and, or I got admitted to law school at the University of Iowa. So it seemed at that point then it was pretty easy uh -huh. to go to law school. Well, it, the decision was maybe more difficult then, but I can tell you from hindsight, you <laughs> yeah. definitely picked the better path. Uh, yeah. Cla claims and insurance in general wouldn't be fun for me. But yeah, me either. So, so that took you into law school. And was that kind of at that point of your life where you decided you were starting to maybe sort out now what it was going to look like, or you were still just kind of now going down that process? No, it, 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 I was still going down a process and I didn't have a place to turn. I, all of my you know, closest relationships really, I had good friends in high school, but my closest relationships were all family. Okay. And I think I had uh, 12 cousins. Oh, yeah. uh, I think of all of us, several of them then did go to college. My dad didn't go. My mom got her associates when I was a little boy. Um, 
but I didn't have anybody to turn to for advice in law school. So I didn't know what it was about. I was the first person to get a, a postgraduate degree. Right. So I had to kind of learn on the fly. Frankly, I almost quit after the first semester because there's a lot of baloney yeah. <laughs> in the first year. Uh, but I had a teacher that said, you know, found good things that I was doing that he thought would be tremendous in a career. So he convinced me to stay and the rest is kind of history. Okay. Thank goodness for for influential Pro- professors. <laughs> Professor Matazar, he was good. Yeah. Okay. And go ahead. No. I was just going to say then from that you you got you graduated law school and you got into a practice. Yes, I started with a big law firm again. Um I wasn't sure where to go when I graduated from law school. All my friends were signing up for these job interviews. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for job interviews and interviewed with big law firms. Many I didn't really want to go far away. Right. So I had interviews in Milwaukee, St. Louis, Kansas City, and Minneapolis. Okay. And you stuck around here, right? Iowa? Uh, I started out and went to Kansas City. Oh, okay. Uh, and I was in Kansas City for about a little over a year. Okay. In a large law firm. And I just didn't like the nature of that practice. So many lawyers, so big. Uh-huh. I was in commercial litigation. So you argue with the other side most of the day and you argue internal politics the rest of the day. And <laughs> <laughs> so Honed your skills that yeah, way. Right? I decided to do something else. <laughs> Trial law wasn't your thing, huh? Right. Um. Uh, so interesting enough, really what I guess when I think of you, I mean, I certainly think of you as an attorney, but I think of you almost more as a businessman. And I think you, what, you, what I see is you've taken uh, your degree and your expertise and been able to leverage that into just helping companies grow and to build things and really find good ways to bring a lot of people together. So how did that all at some point. Yeah. You know, I think the bug, I just was in a general practice of law in Macomb, Illinois. It was a four-man law firm. We did everything. I did divorces, personal injury, uh, estates, income taxes. And I I love the community. I love being in a small community. It was predominantly an ag community. So it felt like home. Mm -hmm. Uh, So some friends came in and they were about my age, maybe a little older, probably in their 30s. And they were going to buy the local bowling alley from the guy that ran it uh, and came to me to help do that transaction. So that was my first business acquisition that I worked on. And I said, you know, this is a lot of fun. I get to help people. They're excited. For the most part, the person getting out's ready to be done. So they're excited. So both sides are more or less happy. Right. Uh, they're interested in getting it done. You get to find out about business. Uh, so that's really kind of what tripped the trigger. Uh, and then when I decided to move to be in between the grandparents, which was the main reason I left there. Well, and I gave up on politics, so decided to move on uh, and and looked for a job in-house in a business because of what I saw there and what I enjoyed in that. And so that's when you started really down the path of working as a business attorney or That's right. So I I came in-house, came to Cedar Rapids for a company that made telephone books of all things. Uh, But it was fun. I enjoyed all aspects of advising and and tried to be practical because, right. you know, that's what made me, so that's how I was raised really. And it made me successful up to that point. You, you have to kind of be a little practical. You have right. your standards to set your ba- boundaries. You have your general direction of where the rudder's going. And then inside those boundaries, you have to have a degree of flexibility in order to keep moving forward. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that because it's clearly something that a lot of that you probably were just core values of growing up in the Midwest in a farm family that came from hard times. And it establishes a lot of that. But we just talk about this quite a bit is, you know, we call it a personal mission statement and core values, but it's really just the belief system that people have. And interestingly enough, I think with, I don't know if it's social media, what changes it. I just believe as time has passed, it's more important for younger folks to establish that 
because I think your your generation and maybe even mine, you know, you just did the right thing. That's and right. If not, you were going to catch it from your parents. I mean, it didn't matter if I was 30 years old, I was going to be in trouble if I did not conduct myself properly. And it's not just your parents. Uh, everybody was yeah, watching. Community, so, community. the townspeople. I, I yeah. grew up. I, I grew up in the country, not in town. So my yeah. my neighbors were uh, Mac, Bud, Sneezy, uh, <laughs> Mort, uh, and Skeeter. And so you know, if my dad was gone and I was off horsing around and I broke somebody something. Any one of them was going to grab me and say that didn't that ain't going to happen. That didn't right. Yeah. You got to fix it and then don't do right. it again. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. No, learn. it's it's interesting. It's it was a it's a great. It's really a great uh, Norman Rockwell portrait. You know when we yeah. think of of that environment because that's uh, same for me. I yeah. mean, I grew up that way too, and. It's too bad you don't have quite the same chances right. to do that anymore. Although, to your point, it it doesn't have to be a laundry list. You, no. pick, you pick three or four <laughs> things that are important to you, and you put them down, and you put them in your head and say, this is how I'm going to operate. And as long as you stay inside yeah. those boundaries, you can make headway. And I think that was the piece that probably helped me connect when you and I finally met and started to work through this. It, there was that comfort level, and I think just visiting with you now – uh, it, it just, it probably explains it to me because I realized we really kind of were cut from the same cloth on a lot of those morals and things we we're taught. So, um, the thing that I want to transition to a little bit is, and I, and we don't need to list, list them all, but I know you're, because some of them you may not want to, but I know you're involved. And if you want to list the names of the businesses you're in, that's perfectly fine. Uh, you know, it's, you can market those Right now, if you would like, if you want to share those, you can, but I know you're in multiple businesses. Would you talk about that just a little bit? Well, I, I found it interesting. Really, a couple things. When I left McLeod USA after going through a bankruptcy, uh, there was a time of reflection because I worked at one stretch every single day in the calendar except for Christmas Day and New Year's Day in oh, wow. a stretch of about 18 months. And so I was pretty tired when I got done and decided I had to rethink. Uh, work ethic was a big deal to me. And it's one of my principles, but you can't let it take over your life. Right. <laughs> work for work's sake doesn't really get you anywhere. No. Yeah. Uh, so I decided at that time I wanted to be somewhere where I had a lot more control and a lot more influence and I didn't want to have all my bags, eggs in one basket. <laughs> okay. And so that's really what allowed me. And, and I, I wanted to practice in-house for, I really made my commitment to what I do today. I practice in-house for high growth, privately held companies where I have equity. And uh, do that for about four companies right now. Uh, and I, it was those ideas that I was trying to accomplish when I went down that path. Sure. Um, so I, you know, work for True North First Main Street in the independent insurance space. Uh, in Volta, which is a data center company, I started with some friends from scratch. So it was a steep learning curve. That right. was very um, interesting to me when I was looking up some of the stuff that you were involved in. It's like, how does this man get involved with IT? Yeah. Well, it, it <laughs> one semester and of co-founder, one semester yeah, of college, so in, uh, yeah. Computer after I'd given up on computer <laughs> yeah. science, actually, it goes back to family. That's that's a funny one because uh, my son and and one of my very dear friends' son were in preschool together, and we got to be buddies. Uh, I, I was a counsel for McLeod. We acquired his company. You know, that's okay. doing what I do, and and stayed friends throughout. So. Uh, we were at another company in town here together and decided we wanted to do our own and have more control. So he was a chief information officer. That was his background. So I, I kind of followed his lead into the data center space. Okay. So And then there's some others. Yeah, Maybe you we don't have, want to promote those. Oh, either. that's okay. It's uh, no. I, um, uh, right now we're helping, um, and and we, and I try to help early stage companies. Uh, talk to them, give advice. Sometimes I have a deeper commitment than others. We have a drone based company that's doing a, a drone inspections for utilities. Oh. 
Um, it's been a tough go. Uh, we were down one path, uh, blade edge doing, uh, inspections of just wind turbines. There's no rules or regulations around that utilities move so slow. It, it's just been a bit of a grind, but it's there and we're still working on that. Yep. Uh, more recently, uh, we're doing some international work with a company that's got a creative construction process. So that's, that's new on the horizon, okay. just spending yeah. times, uh, did one, uh, where we were working on building a database for video home inspections, trying to leverage home inventories for insurance companies, sort of an ancillary business. Um, and then, and then some new ventures we're working on at, at true North. And then of course, first main street is a new platform we're doing mm -hmm. offering legacy solutions, which. Gary, you know Heather all about. Um, right. That takes a lot of time. So it's kind of slowed me down on some of the other new ones. We want to thank Gary Bontrager Consulting for being a sponsor on the Mindset Growth Podcast. There's a variety of services they offer. They have human resources for one. They have a sales program. They also work with the financials, whether you need to help set up your QuickBooks or go with a high-level person that can help you do benchmarking, budgeting, and the likewise. They also do a lot of leadership training, whether you are the business owner, manager, or are just leaders in departments. They can tailor those packages for you. Reach out to them for a free consult and they will see what your needs are and offer different opportunities for you to put in motion to take your business to the next level. They have been successful over the past few years in helping organizations not only grow, but grow as much as two, three, and 400% in a 12-month period. Certainly, they understand it takes a strong foundation and there are years where there may be no growth leading up to this as they put the right pieces in place. Reach out to them at www.garybontrager.com. You can reach out to them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter and get the free advice that they offer and that may be just what you need to set you on a different path to lead you forward and be successful in your business and your life. We appreciate them supporting us. So would you say that this is when you're venturing into these other endeavors, is it a see a need, fill a need situation? Or is it something that just you kind of get excited about? and say, what can we do here? Um, mostly now, I, I'm, I'm really not the idea guy. Uh -huh. um, I'm getting a lot better at assessing ideas. Um, so, you know, it's about understanding one, if, to be uh, honest, I don't necessarily focus on what the end product does. I have learned to focus on if you have an idea, can you monetize it? Because okay. uh, right. there's lots of good ideas mm -hmm. that do cool things, yeah. but if nobody's going to pay for it, 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 it you're going to end up wasting your time. Right. <laughs> uh, so then if you find somebody to pay for it, you have to be able to shift gears right away to say, okay, now are there enough people to pay for it to offset what it costs to do it on an ongoing basis? Right. Oh, that sounded a little bit like insurance lingo there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a well, little bit. The thing I, you know, one thing we often, um, and for myself, I don't care so much about the business either. I just love doing business. So um, that's kind of been, I've done some different things in life, but we often talk about people will be more successful though still if they, can be involved in any line of work. It doesn't matter in what capacity, whether it's an employee, if they enjoy what it is that they're doing. So when you're looking at for these businesses, what I'm, and I'm just paraphrasing here, and I'm wondering if what I hear you say is that you really enjoy the building process and putting the pieces together. Yeah. And I, there's a lot of sort of, I think, hands-on combined with being a lawyer that works there together because, uh, you know, what I add value to is being able to start from the beginning with the right structure. I'm kind of the cement guy or the foundation guy. Yeah. If you get the blocks put together in the first year of a company and I, and I have 
ideas. People get off on the wrong foot depending on where they came from, what their past experiences are. But there's some basics of human resources, how you treat people, what's that structure, the legal structure, the tax structure, the sales process. And if you get those pieces right, as soon as you find out you have something you can monetize, I turn to those activities and that's where I can add the most value. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the it's more about the piece that drives you and motivates you those putting all those pieces together. Yeah, so that's not right. So much the that's business. Nice. And I and I the reason I drive on that point is we have I know small business owners and you know, one of the things we go in, we've sometimes worked with a lot of contractors. I've, I mean, I've done that with insurance and I've done it now. We do it now again with consulting. Uh, but they will come in and they might try to remodel your bathroom, side the house, put a roof on it, uh, pour your driveway, and they're struggling. And at some point, what I have learned is most of them enjoy coming together and figuring out how to get a smooth running, you know, uh, operation that's functional and, you know, it's, uh, it's creating revenue. <laughs> and when they're doing all these other things, there's no way to get a repeatable system and a process together. So that's often one of the first steps, but you're really doing the same thing, just doing the building, the business at a different level. Yeah. Doing the, the, end product. the early building blocks, right. the core structures, you know, you can apply that. I can apply that. A lot of what I do, yep. similar questions we apply all over the place. Right. So, but, but you're right on a couple of things that I think there that I, I guess I'd piggyback on that are important. One is you can't do everything for everybody or you won't be worth uh, crap right. to any of them. Yeah. Right. Um, so you have to find some boundaries. Again, that, that my core belief is you've, you've got to set some boundaries and point them in a direction and then go in that direction and, and swim hard. Um, the other thing is the, the more expertise you get in something, and it, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, super unique, just a degree. Right. Uh, you know, old saying a friend of mine told me was the you know, the sun can heat the entire earth, but if you focus down to the point of a laser, you can cut a diamond. So right. that's really shows you the power of focus. Right. I appreciate you sharing that because that is huge. Um, it's, it's fun to watch companies figure out that process. And usually their profitability spikes quite a bit. I mean, I can just even say in working with you from an insurance perspective, I can see where the profits have increased, you know, because we, we were able to laser focus certain things and it just makes a big difference, uh, on, it really can make a difference on products that you can provide the client, uh, how the services are delivered, different things like that. So, and it's also a a bit of letting everybody move to their strengths. I'm a huge fan of, I don't know if you're familiar with the Gallup studies and strength finders, Yes. but you know, the whole concept of pounding a round peg in a square hole, everybody knows. I mean, look at children. It one, it's super hard, damn near impossible. And two, it's super frustrating. So right. if you find things that you like, that you're good at, that you can leverage, go there. That doesn't mean you can't make changes and, and try and do new things. You just have to be able to get rid of the old things so you can focus. There you go. You know, the interest, that's interesting because I think so often in business too, because you're talking, what you're talking about is human capital. And we talk a lot about, because there's a lot of coaching companies out there that have, uh, great programs to put systems and processes in place. But we have an 80-20 rule and our 80-20 rule is the 20% is the systems and processes and the 80% is the human capital and how you develop that. So when folks listen to this, I mean, I hope that's one thing they can pick up from what you're saying is, you know, train your people, let them do their jobs. They have their strengths. They will perform and do a great job. Um, The question that I know Heather has And I feel like I can answer, uh, well, why don't you ask that question? I mean, I see some (laughs) of it as I remember from Zoom meetings and things, but go ahead. So you kind of just alluded to it a little bit, but how does one person, as busy as you are, as many endeavors that you have, your hands are in so many different things, moving pieces, how, how can you run all of those effectively at the same time? 
Well, uh, you, you, yeah, you make some mistakes, so you have to be able to get comfortable in your own skin, so to speak, and recognize if you make a mistake, you have to own it and apologize and move on um, yeah. from there. Uh, but otherwise, it takes it, you have to get help. I know things that I'm not good at, and even you know, as recently as working with you, Heather, I, I have somebody that helps me with scheduling, mm-hmm. and, and when I try to do it myself, it's fifty-fifty whether it's going to work. When I have her do it because we follow the process, it works ninety-eight percent of the time. <laughs> right. So, uh, so I, I get help. Um, the other thing is, I, I most of what I do, I follow those same core concepts. I have the same philosophical approach, the core boundaries, no matter what the topic is or who the client is. So if you have that same guiding concept, it's easier to shift gears from one business to another to apply it. I've also Mm -hmm. always really been and enjoyed being a generalist. I've got a very broad background of experiences. So it makes it, I think that's helped me make it easy to move from one industry to another industry. I can usually find a path to dial it down to the core building blocks and then ask some questions and go from there. The interesting part that I always like to see, and I like to see it because I'm always trying to learn as well, was the fact of how on a Zoom, you also will have other people involved in the meetings and taking notes. And certain people have have their duties to maybe pick up certain pieces of what's happening in that meeting and the next person has theirs. And so it's a very organized, like there's times We've probably all walked into somebody's office and there's just papers behind the desk, on the desk, everywhere. But when I think of you, I think of a lot of organization. And that really increases capacity, I have to believe, because it's multiple people. Yeah, well, that that it's also something that I learned pretty early on. There's I only, there's only 24 hours in the day, mm-hmm. and I I still wanted to try to have some for family, and I need to sleep a little bit. So if I'm going to do more, I have to find a way to get people to help me. Yeah, and that's exactly it, Gary. So, so I try not to do unless it's something that's very sensitive or very personal. I try pretty hard not to go into a meeting without somebody somebody with me. Uh, and, and on the, the things that we do regularly, like the acquisitions and legacy planning that we're doing, um, the team kind of knows what their responsibility is. So I say on the phone, we'll do this or we'll do that. I know darn good and well, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Oh, and there's somebody else a lot like that, Randy. (laughs) But I, but I, I know they're there. I know they're listening and understand and, and we'll follow up as a group later, but. That was one of my questions when we went into that process. I said, I have an assistant. I need to uh, be in on all this. Is that okay? And, you know, uh, the person I was communicating that with kind of chuckled like, yeah, we do that too. And then I realized, okay, I have one. You have six or eight. (laughs) (laughs) So a team is is good. This is probably a question for another topic, another day. But we get those questions all the time. Like, but how do you find the good people? How do you put people in place? Where do you find them? Those are questions that we get all the time. And I'm not real sure how to answer that for them because it's so different in every industry and every state and community that they're working in. It's just a matter, I suppose, of putting yourself out there and asking the right questions. Of Yeah, and it changes all the time. I, I It's very difficult. I, I'm not going to suggest otherwise. I'm a believer in a few things. I think broadening your networks, the more you can make connections, it doesn't have to be, it, it, to me, it's less about number of people than spaces. I kind of think of people generally living in a space. And so if I know somebody in a space, my, my next thing is to find a new space. So then you get much broader coverage and a much broader reach. Because at the end of the day, I, I still think human nature, word of mouth and recommendations is the yeah. very best one. Now that, you know, you, you can't do it exclusively that way, but that's the best one. Yeah. Another one that I see sometimes is there are people who are hungry and willing to succeed, or they might be in that stage of life where you are at, even in college, trying to sort some of that out. And if the right person, if you can intersect at the right time with them, they'll often advance their careers and just really 
you know, do great work for a person. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing, and especially, uh, you know, for smaller businesses or early stage companies, um, there's a lot of conversation about your board of directors for your company. And, and those things are important, but I, I think it's equally important for especially entrepreneurs and leaders in emerging companies to have their own personal board of managers. Find two or three people that have been successful, even if you don't know them. If they're in your industry, if you're in your space, your practice area, call them and say, can I just ask you questions once in a while? You'd be right. shocked how willing people, especially successful business people, are to do that. Right. Uh, and we don't always leverage that well enough. Right. A lot of people, it's just a good way for them. Uh, there comes a stage in life, and I imagine you can relate to this at this point, but I know at this point in my life, it's a lot more important about the legacy I'm going to live uh, leave than it ever was before. You know, before it was about working a lot of hours and accomplishing things, and now it's about legacy. And I think a lot of those folks are a lot freer to share that. But if you'd have asked me 15 years ago, I wasn't going to, I was not going to give anybody honest advice because I didn't want anyone to come in and compete with me. And today <laughs> I don't see that competition the same. Right. Um, so there's a lot there that can be beneficial and be leveraged. We kind of talked about this being of importance to you now, but can you talk about how you managed to have a healthy work life balance? Well, I, um, it's a struggle. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I probably don't do that as well as I should um, and and haven't. Uh, a few things. My parents, my, my dad was a farmer. And um, so I remember he, he was invited by the Secretary of Agriculture. It was John Block at the time working for Reagan um, and working on breaking down the Cold War, Reagan was going to take a group of ag leaders, actually John Block, to inside the wall to Russia. Okay. Uh, was going to take a dozen people from the U.S. and invited my dad to go because wow. uh, he thought of him that well as a farmer. Uh, and my dad said, I can't go because I looked at the calendar and Randy has three basketball games oh. well, during that trip. And I pushed him. I was like, this, this is a once in a lifetime thing. This is a really big deal. I was in high school. I understood the nature of that right. ask. And he said, yes, but in my life, you're only going to have X number of basketball games and I want to see them all. So when my kids were growing up, I tried very hard activities, Cub Scouts, Girl Scouts, uh, church group, uh, sports, show choir, whatever their activities were. And I, I'm a little fortunate because I'm an attorney. So I take my laptop and, you know, swim meets or track yep. meets. Right. Yep. So uh, my daughter ran in the quarter mile. So you get there and you watch 45 seconds and then she doesn't run again for three and a half hours. So right. I, <laughs> I sit in the car and work and I come back. So I tried very hard to be there. That's one of the things that I used as a tool right. to keep a little bit of connectivity there. And your dad Technology. sacrificed that trip. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And I bet he has zero regrets <laughs> on it, doesn't he? Yeah. He's gone now, but he, yeah. he never once mentioned it again. Right. Wow. That's interesting. It's uh, and it comes back to how grounded, you know, clearly it probably didn't take him long to make that decision. He knew right what he was going to do ahead of time. So, and my friends kind of, Sometimes when it was awkward to leave a business meeting or have to be on the phone instead of in person, you know, even in the early days of the old conference phone, mm-hmm. uh, I'd leave because I wanted to be at school or somewhere and folks didn't understand it. But right. yeah. you kind of had to be there and hear that to learn that right. lesson. Well, and we've gotten some pretty interesting backgrounds from you when you've been on Zoom meetings, which were, were not fake. We. Randy would take us on vacation with him sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> so. I like once in a while I like to whatever the sporting event of the season is. So get the Masters up there, or the Kentucky right. Derby. They're kind of my favorites. Yes, that's on my bucket list. I've never done the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. I, uh, I think I haven't either. Are going to have to work that one in here soon. <laughs> We're talking about going next year. It's hundred. Oh, yeah. I think it's uh, some round number, hundred and fiftieth, hundred seventy five. It is. Uh, so it'll be a big one. It. Yeah, that's uh-huh. always looks like a really good time. Have you been there before? I have not. Oh, no, you have so it. I'd like to, I like to watch it. And I, of course, I grew up with horses. So yeah. 
that's uh i didn't there came a point in the time the three-wheeler and the motorcycles were a lot more fun you could just park them in the shed and yeah i was trying to shed i guess what i had to deal with but the 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 other thing for work-life balance is hobbies you know i i i got hooked on skiing in college and my kids enjoy skiing so we used to do that a lot as a family and i would go now still with them on trips and they go with me and so it's kind of a thing that we can do and know that it's available if you're available and then more recently i i Again, when I got to college, <laughs> I was off the farm. I was trying everything I could try. So I got certified as a scuba diver. Uh, oh, awesome. My son, and, and I only dove like two or three times because I didn't want to be away for those trips. My son then, when he graduated from high school, thought he would want to do that. So he got certified and he and I started to dive. And now my daughter got certified last two years ago. So that's that's a new thing. And it's it's the best because... Guess what? No cell phone when you're scuba diving. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so you get down there and it's just me and my son and my daughter hanging out and oh, it's it's pretty fun for an hour. Yeah. Do you so you do travel like to like we do awesome yeah. places to do it cuz I've got a friend I golf with and him and his buddy like a couple times a year they're I don't know where all the reefs are. Yeah, things. down in the Caribbean. We, yeah. We've done many of those. So next up on our bucket list, we, we really would like to try to get to Australia and do the Great Barrier Reef before okay. it's gone. That's one of yeah. them. Uh, so anyway. No, past Amazing. snorkeling. I haven't That's, done much. But. <laughs> those are interesting hobbies. You don't hear <laughs> snorkeling too often. You hear people doing it, but when you ask, Sky well, what's your hobby? hobby yeah. Scuba diving, yeah. Well, here's the thing, and I just summarize. I want to summarize this for the audience here. Um, I can tell you one thing I know about Randy. He's a high-producing person. He's very intentional, likes to create, uh, or likes to work a lot. And But when I see how intentional you are, Randy, about even your personal time, uh, I don't I don't know if it it probably bothers maybe some women or some men if their significant other is working on vacation and I know I'm told I should lay it down but I can probably relax more if I know there's just even an hour a day I can get up in the morning and do some things uh and it probably helps me justify maybe an extra vacation in the year so cuz I because I do like to vacation but I think the thing that I'm hearing you say is it's all about balance. And we talk a lot with clients about a rest run cycle because it's, it's not always eight to five. It's, it looks different and people have to figure out what that different is comfortable with for them. Yeah. And, and find tools, you know, that I, I admit I struggle on that too. That's the other thing I like about skiing is because we get up uh, back in places again, no cell phone. I, you really need that separation, yeah. and I'm not very good at it. So to to make a path for me to have that time, I go places where it doesn't work. <laughs> right. Uh, because, I, I, you know, if you can't get there on just pure self-control, you need yeah. to adopt some tools to help. There you go. So it's processes and systems, Heather, right? Yeah. Yeah. Always. It always is. It comes down to that. But again, the processes and the systems don't matter if you don't have the integrity and that core structure within yourself of where you're going to draw the line and where you're going to do those things. So we appreciate you joining us, Randy. Is there anything that you would like people to know or that you would advice you would give them that you would challenge them with? No, I, I, I guess... My suggestion <laughs> is where I started. Set some boundaries. Try to be firm in your boundaries. Don't make it too narrow that you can't move. Don't make it too wide that you flounder. Uh, but set some boundaries and and then look up. Don't let every day with your head down uh, keep you from moving forward. Look up inside your boundaries. Pick a direction so you know where you're going and, and then... Find a space that you're good at and you have fun and it'll all come together. Awesome. Great advice. I'll give a little background just to you as a listener uh, because I know we have a lot of small businesses that follow us and, and uh, listen to our podcasts. Randy is an individual who's put together, I don't know if I could say hundreds, but I know, well, okay, he's shaking his head. So hundreds of small business deals. I have had the opportunity to work through that process with him myself. 
and I see how intentional and how he does that. Uh, a lot of that comes from him making decisions and doing the right thing day after day after day. He started from very humble beginnings, and I challenge you that you can also accomplish anything that you choose to accomplish. But a lot of it comes with just the core values of respect, integrity, uh, carving out time for family, and living a balanced life. Uh, Randy, we just thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if this uh, doesn't maybe do anything for you, I don't know, but I know there's a young audience out there that listens to that. If you're in any of the uh, industries that Randy's in, look him up, follow him. It might be worth you contacting him. He may be able to help you uh, through a business transaction or transition as well and give you a good idea of how to how that can look very simple and not too complicated to go through. So any closing statement you want to make, Heather? No, I just want to thank you for being with us. I know we've tried to get you on a couple of times and your jobs do keep you pretty busy, but I'm so glad we finally got to catch up. Well, thank you for inviting me and following up to make it happen. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun and I, I am open, Gary. Any, any of your listeners want to call, happy to talk to them and always happy to come back, uh, talk to you guys some more if you want to. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll maybe get you back on certain topics when we get into those. I guess I appreciate, we kind of did the 101 version here. But it comes back to, and I know this is a time uh, you're you're sacrificing probably an hour or better of your time just to drive in and do this. Mm -hmm. So we understand the value of what that's cost you to do that and share that. But I think it's also one of those things that you can inspire and motivate some others. So hope so. With that, we want to thank you for joining us on Mindset Growth Podcast. You can uh, follow us out on Spotify, YouTube, and also any other platforms where podcasts are hosted. Please hit the subscribe and follow button, like these, share this with other listeners, and that way we can uh, continue to grow our audience and bring you the content that you want. If you have any questions or guests that you would like for us to have on, please drop those in the notes and we will follow up with that. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.